Well, that's the question. Are you picking up the pieces or embracing the peace? And I think it's really easy to walk through this life and find your life is broken into a lot of pieces. And yet, the good news I have for you this morning is that God is a God of peace. And that's what we'll talk about this morning. You see, because I don't think this number is high enough. 55% of Americans say they're stressed during the day. I, I think it's a much higher number than that poll is telling us. And then I wonder what we're worried about. Stress, anxiety, worry, depression. Well, this is what the statistics say. Well, we got inflation, all right. Poverty, social inequality, unemployment, crime and violence, financial polit political corruption, healthcare taxes, et cetera, et cetera. So I went through this list and I said, okay, there's two themes that I see. One is security and the other one is justice. Two things that you would love to have, security and justice. Why? Because this world does not feel very just unless you haven't been paying attention. And these are very insecure times where, sure, inflation's at the top, but you could put almost anything at the top of things that we worry about. And there are all sorts of things that trigger our worry, whether it's pandemics or natural disasters or tax days coming up, inflation, wars, Relationship struggles, I'm sure somebody has those out here. Some stress and worry over that. And I think that we are a, we are a fearful and anxious society. And we resort to trying to control everything in the pursuit of peace. If I can just control things, then I'll be really peaceful. It's going to be great. But control is just an illusion. Well, that's what my counselor said, and I think he's right. So, if you find yourself trying to control things in your life, that you've got a bunch of little pieces you're trying to sweep up off the floor of your life, you're probably not alone. And you're probably needing a little bit more peace. And I believe we also have an addicted society. Do you believe? Do you believe that? If, you, if so, say yes. Yeah, I think we're, we're an addicted society that tries to escape because we think somehow if we just do more shopping, more eating, more substances, whatever it is, somehow we're going to be content and peaceful. But the eye never tires of seeing. That's what Proverbs says. There's, oh, you're always going to want more. As soon as you get the last widget, you're going to want the next widget, whatever widget is. You're going to want it because somebody else has it. And so this idea of peace, I believe, is central to the, to the entire, all the threads coming together of the Bible. I believe peace, you could argue that peace is the theme that God is going after. So, peace, this word is shalom. You might have heard that. It's a Hebrew greeting, shalom. It means hello, goodbye, all, all sorts of things. It's a little bit like aloha. It's very flexible. And so you could say shalom aleichem, which is peace be with you, like a blessing. Or the more common vernacular of Hebrew, which is mashlomka, which is how's your peace? 
masterpiece. How's it going today? How are you carrying peace? Are you carrying, do you have any peace at all? And that's my question for you this morning. How's your peace? Now, bumper sticker theology says, no Jesus, no peace. But I don't get all of my theology from bumper stickers. But Jesus says this in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So there's Jesus' peace and there's the world peace. I mean, the world peace is what every contestant on, you know, some beauty pageant would want, right? But world peace and Jesus' peace aren't the same. You see, Jesus' peace looks different. It works different. It's lasting. It bears good fruit. It is actually one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, Galatians tells us. And so, um, thinking about this kind of stress, anxiety, worry, depression, frustration, I was thinking about how the disciples must have felt when they all ran for the hills when Jesus got arrested. And they were hiding because they feared for their life, and rightfully so. They killed, their rabbi was killed by the religious authorities and the Romans. And here they are hiding out. And I believe it's only Thomas. Thomas is the brave one, by the way. Everybody thinks he's the doubter. He's the one that's not even in the room when Jesus shows up for the first time. We're going to see that in a minute. So before you throw Thomas under the bus, or if your name is Thomas, take heart. You're actually named after the most brave, the most courageous one of them all. I've been really wanting to clear his name for a long time. John 20. Perhaps you have heard these accounts before. I'm going to read a little bit from John 20 for you. Early on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' disciples, followers, went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. This is going to take a great deal of strength and men to move this stone. This is, these things are not right. And so she, she came running back to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. I think that's John. And said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. Now it's still dark. There's no lights. It's not like you can flip the light switch on the tomb. But she knows this looks like an empty tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. This feels like such a violation. Can you imagine one of your loved ones being dug up from wherever they're buried? How violated you would feel? So imagine Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This is John saying, ha ha, I run faster than you, Peter. The only foot race in the Bible right there. And John wins. And yet, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. So John's like, I'm going to wait for Peter. This is what honor looks like, by the way. It's a core value here at Neighborhood Church. I'm going to wait for my friend, and I'm going to let him go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, (laughs) just in case you didn't know, he lost the race, arrived and went into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there. 
as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. And the cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's the third time John has let us know that he's the winner of the race, went, also went inside. So there's two witnesses, which is what you would need in a court of law to prove something. He saw and he believed. But then John makes a footnote. They still did not understand from scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. These guys aren't getting it. And I wouldn't either if I were them. So don't get mad at them, right? Give them a break. So then Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene in the next section. And so he, she comes running in and goes, hey, I saw Jesus, I saw Jesus. And well, she's not received very well. Once again, don't get down on the disciples. They've had a hard week. But verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, okay, so this is evening, same day, not even 24 hours has gone by, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, okay, there's the fear part. Man, they are freaked out. I don't want to hang on a cross like Jesus. This will end badly for me. Jesus came and stood among them. Wait, 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 what? Doors locked, Jesus stands among them. So cool. The Bible is so cool. You just have to read it. I, have to, I promise. Have you seen Star Trek? This is Star Trek. I went old school for those of you who are maybe a little older. All of a sudden, materializes in the room. So cool. I can't wait to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. Jesus shows up and he says, Peace be with you. Shalom. And in some ways, he's going to say this two more times in this passage. Why? Because if he asked, Mashalomka, how's your peace? They would say, whew, it is in short supply, Jesus. We need some of your peace. And Jesus knows that we need his peace. Not the peace that the world gives, but actually peace that makes a difference. Peace that is, we'll call it an inner strength to trust. An inner strength to trust, rest, and patiently wait for God to protect and to provide for us. And I can't do this on my own. It's only because of the Holy Spirit living inside me that I can actually experience this peace, this ability to wait and trust. Because I don't wait very well. Do you? Do you go and find the longest line at the store? No, you don't. Costco, I pulled up for gas yesterday and I'm like, where's the shortest line? I am winning, look at me. Pulled right in there. Ha <laughs> ha, you didn't see that one. I'm gonna pull it all the way around my car now. It's okay. So there is this peace, this ability to trust, the ability to stand when everything else is whirling and swirling around us. And the actual definition for peace is this, this shalom, this wholeness. It's overall healing for every part of your life. But Hebrew is an interesting language because it does paint some word pictures with the letters. Now, some people get all weird about this, but I think this is a helpful thing because actually when you look at the, the, 
the word pictures that go with each letter, it paints another really cool, true theological picture about peace. And it is these four letters to destroy authority attached to chaos. To destroy authority attached to chaos. You see, because a lot of us think that peace is just the absence of conflict, and we love the absence of conflict, don't get me wrong. I mean, very few of you are like, I love conflict. Just bring on the conflict. It'd be great. Can't wait to have conflict today over Easter dinner. Can't wait to have conflict at work with my boss. That'll be fantastic. Can't wait. Most of us aren't wired that way. But peace, there is a sense that peace is warring. There is a war that goes on in the heavenlies where the Lord is fighting on our behalf and he's giving us his Holy Spirit the strength to wait, to rest, to trust. I've been hearing this little whisper from the Lord for the last few weeks. It's this little phrase right here. I am asking you to carry my peace. So, you know, just like a faithful man of God I am, I'm like, well, I'm going to Google that. Surely someone has used that phrase before and I'm supposed to get some kind of insight didn't find anything like that. By the way, it's not wrong to Google stuff. I'm just making fun of myself because probably the best thing would be like, Lord, what do you mean by that? But he says, you're going to get around to it. He's a patient God. He's kind. It's his kindness that turns us from one direction to the other. It's all good. So I'm pushing into this. I'm asking questions and trying to understand it. And the Lord just started parading these different situations in front of me where I realized people get all stirred up about stuff, don't they? They get upset about all of the things that I showed on the screen, for sure, and other things, and they have no peace. Could be at work, could be in your home, could be with your friends, could be in the world, could be on social media. It's a scary place. And so, it just makes you anxious when everyone else is anxious, right? But what I'm learning is, if I surrender to the Holy Spirit and I get more trust, more rest, and more ability to wait on His provision, His protection, all of a sudden, guess what? I actually carry peace into every situation. And so everybody's freaking out around me. Like I did a wedding recently, this last week. Weddings, people freak out about weddings. You go in, you stand, you're wearing nice clothes, and then you walk out. It's not hard, right? Why are we making this hard? But people freak out about weddings. Why? Because there's people that they like or they don't like or they don't get along with or they do get along with or they're afraid that they're going to look funny when they're up front or I don't know. So what I figured out was, oh, I carry the most peace. I'm not worried about that stuff. So wherever I went, I'm like, it's all good. We're good. We got this. You're going to stand like the best. You're going to be such a good stander. We're gonna, people are going to be renting you out as a rent-a-bridesmaid, rent-a-groomsman, because you're going to be great. And they're like, oh, oh. Guess what? The peace that I carry, I bring into the situation, I just begin to speak it over other people, and they're like, oh, I guess I'm okay. I think standing's going to be okay. No, it's going to be great. This is going to be great standing. I can't wait. This is going to be the best standing ever. Okay. These aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> right? got to bring Star Wars into every message or you're probably not a Christian. So, 
At this point, I'm learning, oh, I carry peace wherever I go, whoever I'm with. And I can add it to every situation because I just point to the Father. I'm like, hey, I know the one who can like solve this problem. Hey, you got a problem. We could pray for this right now. Oh, you're hurting? We could pray for you right now. We got this. I know the one who has all the resources and he can take care of you. People go, oh. And what do you do? You take the atmosphere of heaven which is filled with peace, and you bring it to earth where there is no peace. And they go, what is with you? I'm like, I'm different. Let me tell you how different I am. So this idea of carrying peace, I'm going to keep praying about this because I think when God gives you a word like this or a phrase, he just likes to unpack it slowly. So unpack it with me. If you've got an insight, come and talk to me afterwards. I'll be in the lobby, and I'd love to hear from you. But I did find this phrase somewhere on the interwebs. You can let others pull you into their storm or you can pull them into your peace. Yeah. I would say it's not my peace, by the way. I think it's God's peace. So how do you carry God's peace? What does it look like for you as you walk out of this place to actually do what we're talking about? It's not, oh, that's really nice for the pastor, but I can't do that. One word, surrender. Surrender to God brings peace. And it cultivates hope, which grows faith, which I'll call trust. Surrender is what precedes peace. That's true in war, right? But it's also true in our life. We need to do more surrendering and less fighting. And when we do, when we say, Lord, I don't know what to do, can you help? He's always good. And this kind of peace, this is not just for those situations where everything is hunky-dory. Oftentimes, you need his peace most when things are the most stirred up in your life. But peace on the outside comes with knowing and trusting God on the inside. So it's got to be an internal work that gets you the external fruit, right? Now, so God's peace is not the calm after the storm, But it's the steadfastness that he will help you have in the midst of the storm. And that's what y'all need. Now, I went and saw this incredible movie yesterday called The Journey. Did anybody see this movie, right? I mean, those who saw it are like, we just all kind of cried our way out of the theater. I thought Cocaine Bear, which is the next movie, was going to like just come in and like we were going to just stay over for one, one more movie, but didn't seem like it fit, right? Andrea Bocelli, um, who is a fantastic singer, but also a Jesus follower, uh, put this movie together. And it's about this journey that they're making. And it's about their faith and about um, just looking at the journey that we make. And I found one quote from him. I was an agnostic until I realized that I had to choose between God and fate. And the idea that humanity and nature are the result of fate was not convincing at all. I find the presence of God everywhere. One of the things that he's saying is, I find the peace of God everywhere because where his presence is, there his peace also reigns. In the movie, he said something, this is my quote, so I I might get it slightly wrong, but his wife is asking, what do you have to have for inner peace, Andrea? He said, you must have the absence of guilt, the absence of regrets, and to live your life in gratitude. And I thought to myself, 
I think you can only get those three things from God. Because in order to escape guilt and shame, which are two things that I fight every day, and they are enemy, they are the tools of the enemy in my life, and I hate, I hate them. Yet it's God who constantly reminds me, no, I'm a forgiving God. Whatever you've done, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, no matter what has happened. So you can be clean, you can be clear, you can be clear from guilt and shame. God's the only one who can do that. The absence of regrets. I don't know about you, but when I think back on my life, I go, oh, I wish I would have done that, that better. Oh, I did. I'm so embarrassed that I said that. I'm so embarrassed that I did that. I should have done that. I should have, should have, I should have, should have. But God is the one who goes, no, this is who you are. You're a loved son. You're a loved daughter. I'm not replaying your past. I don't live in your past. I don't want you to live in your past. I want you to live in the present and look to the future because I want, I want to do great things in and through you. So why are you living your life looking backwards? It's like driving with your eyes in the rearview mirror. Like, you're bound to crash. So Andrea is pointing to peace. And yet, so many Americans, we say, oh, I know God. And Billy Graham said this. Most of us know about God, but that's quite different from knowing God. And there is an invitation to us an invitation to embrace what Jesus has done for us. What did he do? Well, Jesus came and he lived and he died so that we could have relationship with him. Because God created humans originally to live in wholeness and freedom, in shalom. That's what the Garden of Eden was all about. And he created us with free choice where we could choose to follow him or do our own thing. And yet we end up doing what's right in our own eyes, making our own rules, plans, and doing our own thing. And every time that we choose our own way instead of God's way, God calls it sin. It's what pollutes shalom. It violates this wholeness and peace in our life. Isaiah 59.2 says that our sin has separated us from God, that it has interrupted relationship, and it keeps us far from Him. And being apart from God, we do the best we can to, well, self-medicate, cope, try to find real love, acceptance, escape from guilt on our own and regret. That usually just looks like denial. But our, life fall, our lives fall to pieces. And we lack true peace, the Jesus peace. So Jesus came to earth to live with humans, to live a sinless life, to give us the right to become children of God, to be in relationship with God again. And he willingly dies for us to pay the price so that we would have that ability to choose, to choose into his way instead of our own way, to turn from our ways and go his way, live life that he intended, which is life to the fullest. 
So it's this Jesus, he offers shalom, healing, wholeness, life. And yet, the price that we must pay is with our life. What do I mean by that? Well, what he really wants us to do is surrender our lives to him. If we want peace, we've got to surrender. And this means starting a relationship with Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And he says, but you got to let me drive. You see, I've been working with my 15-year-old daughter on learning how to drive. And every time I hand her the keys, I am putting my life in her hands, yes? True. I don't have one of those fancy cars with a brake on the other side, although I have looked for it sometimes. I also don't have a second steering wheel like an airplane. We're just going to, it's going to be what it's going to be, right? And you can imagine the first time, (laughs) oh, well, there goes that illustration. The first time uh, that I let her drive in the church parking lot here, like all good pastor's kids, we all learn in the church parking lot, Um, there may or may not be some poles that are slightly bent, just kidding. Um, I'm, I'm trusting her with my life. The same way Jesus doesn't want to ride shotgun in your life. He doesn't. You don't invite him in to go, hey, yeah, get in the back, and if I need you, I'll let you know. It's not how it works. He says, no, I, I, I want the keys, please. And he won't force you. There's a lot of people that drive with Jesus in the backseat or in the trunk. Like, Jesus, get in the trunk until I need you. Like, all right, Jesus, I need you. Oh, you can ride shotgun, it's fine. It doesn't work well. Jesus knows the road. And he demands all of us. So if we want a relationship with the Prince of Peace if we want his peace, if we want life to the fullest, if we want to become a new creation, if we want the old to go and to embrace the new and the good, then we've got to surrender our entire life. We need to throw him the keys to our life. Now, what does it look like to do that? Well, it all starts with a prayer. And there is nothing magical about this prayer. This is a prayer that I just ask the Lord, Lord, what is it? How do we pray for this this Sunday? So as I'm on my iPad, sitting up in bed, this is what came out of my heart. And there's nothing magical about it, but I want you to look at it because I want to invite you to pray it this morning. And perhaps you've never been in a relationship with Jesus. This is how you start. This is how you raise the white flag and say, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to do this thing. I'm going to throw you my keys. So for some of you, this is going to be your first time. You're like, yeah, I'm in. I've been kicking the tires on this whole Jesus thing for long enough. I don't need to wait any longer. I'm in. I need you. My life is in pieces. I need your peace. Bam. You throw your keys. Some of you, you threw Jesus your keys a long time ago, but then along the way you said, Jesus, I think I'll I'll drive on this stretch. I I really like driving on this stretch, and I think I drive really well. So just just sit over here in, in the passenger seat, you know, and then... And then Jesus, like, before we know it, we're like, hey, Jesus, can you get in the back seat? Because there's this person that I really like in my life. I'm going to put them in that seat and let them tell me how to drive. I mean, I like them that much. I'll let them tell me how to drive. But I, if you could just get back there, 
Jesus, uh, I had a couple kids, and they're really important to me, so I'm going to put them in the back seat with the car seats. I'm going to go ahead and put you in the trunk. Uh, I know you won't have a problem with that, and uh, I know you won't make a peep, so I'm just going to, if I need you, if, if something goes wrong, I'm, I'm going to, I promise, I'll call right away, right? And for you, Jesus is not in the driver's seat. He's somewhere else in your car, and I don't know where. But I felt the Lord, the Lord was really impressing upon me this morning that there's many of you who have felt far away from God and you need, a, you need to make a fresh commitment to him. It doesn't mean that you're getting saved again, quote unquote. You've already got a relationship with him. You just haven't been letting him drive. And today I think is the day for you to come back again, to live again like that first video said, to experience his life to the fullest. And so, this prayer goes like this. I'm just going to read it to you really quick, and then I'm going to invite you to pray it. Jesus, I need you. My life is in pieces, and so I surrender. I give you my life, and I ask you to forgive my sins, because we've all sinned, and make me a new person. I choose to turn from my own ways. I want to learn your ways. Send your spirit to come and live inside me, to live your way. Because when we throw our keys to Jesus. He always sends the Holy Spirit to live inside us then, to give us the strength and the resources to do whatever he's asking us to do in the future. That's the good news. He's not going to ask you to do something he's not going to pay for with his life and then give you all the gifts and all the strength through the Holy Spirit. Heal me, Jesus. Shalom. Inside and out. Make me new. Thank you, Jesus, for dying to give me life forever. Amen. If this is the prayer you're willing to pray, I want to invite you to pray it with me. So for some of you, this will be your first key throw, right? Others, this will be a fresh commitment, a rededication, if you will. You can call it whatever you'd like. But it's a marker that says, nope, I'm going to walk with Jesus. Today's the day that I say no more. And so, if you'd like to quietly pray this just right where you are, I'll pray and you can pray along with me if you'd like. Jesus, I need you. My life is in pieces and so I surrender. I give you my life and ask you to forgive my sins and make me a new person. I choose to turn from my own ways. I want to learn your ways. Send your spirit to come and live inside me to help me live your way. Heal me, Jesus, inside and out. Make me new. Thank you, Jesus, for dying to give me life forever. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, whether it was a first-time key-throw commitment or if it was a fresh commitment, I'd like you to stand right where you're at. No one's going to interview you. No one's going to embarrass you. But I think, I think this is a declaration. You say, yep, this is where I'm at. So just stand right where you're at. It's good. Good, good, good. 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 Yeah. Yeah. If this is a first-time commitment for you, I really want to encourage you. We've got some bags in the back. We'd love to give you a little birthday bag is what we call them, just to kind of help you grow. We'd love to get to know you a little bit too.
help you to um, do that. So Lord, thank you for these who are standing, who are saying, yeah, God, I, I hear your call. I, I, I see what you're doing, God, and, and I want to respond. I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that you'd strengthen them. I pray for great relationships around them that would help them to walk and not become weary, to run and not be faint. Lord, thank you for your peace over them in this week. Lord, we pray that you begin to do physical healings and blessing and, and miracles in their life. Lord, we pray that, that you would deliver them from the things that they have been in bondage to. And I pray, God, that they would receive your grace deep in their hearts in a powerful way right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are living inside each of these people. And I pray that you would do a new work a fresh work from you, Holy Spirit. So thank you that this is a day of salvation and a day of commitment in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Why don't you stand with me? I'm gonna close. Um, we are going through a series right now called Still Small Voice, learning to hear God's voice. This might feel so different and so weird to you, but it is so exciting and so fun. This is the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live. Every moment, listening for what his voice is saying and then responding and then seeing the amazing things that he does. And he shows us, yeah, that was me. And so if you want to learn more about this next Sunday, we're going to talk about dreams and visions next week. And so, uh, you know, the good thing about dreams is we all dream to some degree. Wouldn't it actually make sense if you kind of understood that? Dreams and then this idea of having visions, that sounds really strange. But I bet you you've actually had a vision before as we talk about it. Have you ever had deja vu before? Well, we might touch on that next week as well. So may God bless you and keep you. May he be gracious to you, make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Happy Easter, my friends. Meeting here and on the stream. God bless you. We'll see you next week.